this program is called the Hero Program. So community paramedicine, you know, that's a that's a person. And somebody loves that person. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. I'm your host, Clayton O'Brien, and I'm the fire chief for the city of Oregon, and I'm an active member of the association. I currently sit on the executive board for the Ohio Fire Chiefs Foundation, and I became an association fellow in 2021 as part of class number 10. The Ohio Fire Chiefs Association exists to improve the safety of Ohio by leading, representing, educating, and supporting Ohio emergency services. This podcast is not only for the members of the association, but also for any other fire and emergency service leaders. It is the purpose of the association to promote education, best practices, and study ways and means to cope with the ever-increasing need for a better understanding of the complex problems which are being presented to the fire protection and emergency services of our nation today. And I'm joined by my co-host, Assistant Chief Joel Fry from the Napoleon Fire Department and Fire Chief Joshua Hartberger of the White House Fire Department. Thanks, Clayton. Hello, I'm Joel Fry, Assistant Fire Chief for Napoleon Fire and Rescue. I am a current member of the OFCA, and I currently sit on the Education Committee. I am happy to be here, striving to advance the fire service as a whole. And I'm Joshua Hartbarger from the White House Fire Department. I'm also a member of the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, and I sit on the Education Committee and the Legislative Committee. Welcome to part two with Sean Wickcop, episode number 16 of the Triple P Podcast. I was actually present and I got to, I got to experience uh, when uh, Sean and uh, Chief, uh, Chief Kuzno and Chief Ram were actually talking to, you know, our elected officials back from our area. And you guys were specifically describing what you had started with, uh, with Springfield, uh, Springfield Township Fire as mm-hmm. well as Sylvania Fire, this program. Yep. So what did you guys talk about with that? Oh, well, we talked about some of the needs, uh, you know, at the state level, maybe some refine of uh, the Medicaid terminology, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some of the billing codes or something like that to allow for that um, evaluation without transport and to have a little bit of money coming back to the fire divisions to be able to to staff for that kind of stuff. Doesn't you know, it seem like that's the biggest holdup right now? Like, does it seem like that, that, you know, with not any funding coming back for that, is that what's ever, is that the common thing that you hear from other chiefs or other agencies? From what I know of it, I believe that most chiefs have expressed to me that they would love to do something like this. They recognize a need in their communities, you know, whether whatever their their particular community has. You know, I could say, like, for us, we have an older community in Sylvania and Springfield Township, and then maybe, like, in, in places, like, I just know a little bit about because of Toledo. You know, I work with Lieutenant Zach Reed a little bit uh, through developing this, and it's like, and they have a, a, a lot of mental health you know, population that they have to work with a nurse. So you kind of addressing it there. But one of the biggest things, if you really think about the community paramedicine aspect, is that we're in those homes. And so that little funding model, if you could have that, might be able to uh, connect services. And hopefully we were able to describe that last night. I mean, Medicaid is one thing that would certainly help that. Getting some of the insurance payers to kind of look at that a little bit more with us. And I believe that we need the legislators to help us absolutely to, yeah. to move that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different angles that we've kind of talked about as that subcommittee. Um, if you guys got a chance to take a look at that little flyer that we had made, but they, um, we have looked at multiple programs across the entire States, you know, uh, as far as those that have funding models in place. But at the end of the day, 
if we can get that moving forward, then hopefully we'll be able to serve our communities even that much better. Exactly. And the program that we're talking about, um, you know, you teed it up, but we need to make sure the program that we're talking about is called the HERO program, and it's the community uh, paramedicine program. This program was actually... Um, This program is called the HERO program, which is a community paramedicine program, which is uh, through Sylvania and Springfield Township. That's correct. And we uh, instituted this a few years ago. We did have a little bit of a COVID break, you know, just because of all the stuff that happened with COVID. Uh, this is that joint venture between uh, Springfield and Sylvania Township. We have about 100,000 people that, if you think about it, that we kind of serve. Yeah. Um, most of our referrals come, currently come in from our first responders. So when they see a need, and, and I, I tell you what, probably before I go too much for this, I really need to emphasize that the this shows yet another value for a first responder. You know, those individuals, those ladies and gentlemen that get on those fire trucks and those apparatus every day, and they go out in the community, they see that need often first, right? Mm -hmm. So this program, when Chief Ram and Chief Kuzno allowed us to put something together, that we worked on for a couple of years, along with myself and Jody Lebecki, um, it allowed those first responders to kind of have a little bit of an outlet. They had a, a resource that they could go to right at the fire division to say, hey, you know, Mrs. Smith down here at 123 Main Street is really struggling for X, Y, and Z reasons. And we thought maybe you guys could look into this, maybe offer some support or maybe figure out what needs to be done. And that's really what that comes down to. It's just a lot of innovation uh, because at the end of the day, and I think if you go back to the conference, this was discussed in multiple ways about how the fire service innovates. We adapt to whatever it is that we're asked to do. You know, if that button for 911 gets pushed, those first responders do that. This program is just another outlet for them to be able to say, hey, I found a need. I couldn't resolve it with an ambulance. I couldn't resolve it on a fire truck, but if you guys maybe take a peek in there, maybe we can come up with a, a solution for them. So those ones that have the first connection, you said the paramedics, the firefighters are on your trucks, whether that be in Springfield or Sylvania. Um, do they have a referral process for you? Like, do they fill out a sheet? Do they send you an email? Um, or how do, they, how do you get to know? So it's funny, uh, I, I have to laugh a little bit when you ask me that question, because <laughs> when we started this process, we were trying to make it as... Um, as streamlined and as efficient as possible, right? That's yep, always your yep. goal. Uh, <laughs> so we made a one-sheet uh, referral process. And that was, I, th I would say it was moderately to decent, you know, effective. You know, some guys and gals were just all about it. And then there were some people who were like, ah, I'm not totally for sure about this just yet. Sure. You know, so we uh, augmented that, you know, through ESO. There's actually some forms that are built right into ESO that you can do that. So I use that. Here's the funny thing. And this is this again goes back to the value of a first response, whether it's a firefighter, a lieutenant, a company officer, a captain, any of those people that kind of fill those positions where they go into houses every day and they're taking care of their community. When we first started, our referrals were one, two, three Main Street. First name, last name, sometimes no name. It'll be male subject, female subject. All right. So you had like virtually minimal information <laughs> and we're kind of like, all right, what do we do with this? You know? Yeah. So as Jody and I kind of worked together, um, you know, we would give feedback to the first responders. You would not believe the information I get back from these ladies and gentlemen today. 
I mean, I will get emails, and it's so funny because in Sylvania they harass me about how long my emails are. <laughs> All right, it's just kind of a side thing. But I'll get emails back from some of the officers or the firefighters. Hey, I stopped and saw Mrs. Smith. She's having a real hard time getting around this area of the house for this reason because of this step, and she recently had surgery and the and was placed on some new meds. So all so there's like, I have like four or five directions to go with that referral thought immediately before we even yeah. leave the firehouse. Yeah, which is awesome. Now, yeah. now when when they do that and you put that referral process out, and did you guys like create a policy of you know what they're supposed supposed to be like do they have to ask them or do they have to ask the patient and say hey you know we would like to you know refer you to our community paramedicine pro or hero program and um and if that's okay with you they'll be reaching out or is it just you know okay they do yes we do we actually have a we keep uh forms that are on the available on the fire apparatus and then a lot of times anymore the guys and gals they will just give them my phone number and say, hey, these, these people are going to be reaching out for you. But they do kind of ask that first. Okay. You know, there's times where you may have um, maybe a family member that the, the other, you know, somebody else in the home may be ha- asking for help. And, I, th- you know, you all have been doing this for a long time. You can probably think of many houses that you've gone into where you look at the patient. You know, and, and this kind of goes back to the everything that we learned this the last two days. You know, we, go, we started our careers and we would go in and we would affect change by doing what? We put out a fire with a with a you know with a hose and a stream of water, right? Put that uh, put the wet stuff on the red stuff. We would intubate somebody that couldn't breathe. Those types of things. So that's mm-hmm. those skills and those tasks that we yeah. all get excited about to do this job. But as as you kind of start to as your vision, to me, I feel like our vision widens as we get you know more exposure to some of this work. It's interesting how you look around the room and sometimes these other family members. It's like, how are you doing? You know, because you can see that family members are struggling. You guys recognize this in your communities, yeah, too? Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how much you see that in other, you know, all the responses that we go to. Sometimes people are struggling. And what have we always said about 911? It's the easy button at times, right? When mm-hmm. they don't know what else to do. Their world, it overwhelmed them. So they made that phone call. So all of our firefighters, as the knowledge has increased about the program, you can see them doing that. They're kind of looking around the room a little bit further. They talk to the family. So some of those emails were like, yeah, I talked to the wife or I talked to the son or something like that. And so you kind of know that the patient may have some knowledge of the program, but maybe the family was the one that was kind of asking for some help. So it's, I don't know if you want to call that multifaceted. I think that's great because you're, what you're doing is you're bridging that gap between having to go back over and over again and fix the problem repeatedly and and the guy is not obviously wanting to respond out to the same house over and over again, but sometimes you just have as a responder that hopeless feeling of where do we go from here? And so that gives your guys a good opportunity to get somebody in there to actually fix that problem in the long run. I think it's awesome. Well, appreciate that. That's uh, This is obviously something that's been done around the United States. Uh, I, I cannot say that everything that we put together with this program was – developed by myself or Jody or the Chiefs or something like that. I'll give you a it's uh we steal shamelessly and share seamlessly. Because our <laughs> yeah, goal yeah. is to help out everybody in our in not just Northwest Ohio, but I mean nation, nationwide. I mean yeah. we all love people, right? That's why yeah, we got on this That's job. why we're here. And the firefighters that get on those apparatus, that's what they do. They love they care mm-hmm. about the people in their communities. 
So it's just, just that outlet, as you just mentioned, whereas like the, the, a BLS ambulance, an ALS ambulance, or something like that, just we know at times that may not really fit their needs, right? That's yeah, not, yeah. that may not be the real need. They don't need to go to the emergency room again. So Correct. sometimes maybe get connecting with the PCPs mm-hmm. or like what we do sometimes we'll just, we'll go there and do a follow-up and we'll do an assessment. And we have, we do have some protocols set up and through Dr. Brookins and stuff like that for the authority. Cause I know a few okay. years ago, back in 2016, if I remember correctly, the law changed to allow community paramedicine to be uh, the activity to occur within the state of Ohio. Yep. So Dr. Brookins is no, he knows of all this kind of stuff. So he's supportive of this. And I've actually called him a few times in a couple of cases that have been rather challenging. And, I, and I'm kind of like, I'm not totally for sure what to do, but when we get there, we kind of make an assessment, we establish a relationship, which is usually just kind of piggybacking off what the first responders have already done. If you really think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we can say, well, maybe if you're a lot if okay with this, let us talk to your family physician or do you know that some of these services are available? Because sometimes people just don't know, you know, healthcare, I think we can all agree has moved from the hospitals within facilities to where the home, mm-hmm. Yep. you know, I mean, some yeah. of you that sit through my lectures at the County, you just saw my data from, uh, the, or from like to a hospital and some of the stuff for the falls, right? Yeah. Most of those falls were occurring in the home setting, according to the stuff that they had documented in the, in the, um, in their uh their their health records you know for those patients so if we can sometimes go and describe in detail and and we're not under that uh you know we, we got to get our apparatus back in service because we still have to you know if the first responders take them to the hospital there's time you know we have to get back in service we have to be available for the next run right mm-hmm. that's important with us it's a little bit different if we take an hour two three hours whatever it takes to try to help connect to the right people. So sometimes you get a lot of FaceTime with physicians and we've been very uh, blessed and successful with being able to have that. I mean, it's amazing when you walk into a doctor's office in the fire department and you say, Hey, I'd like to talk to Dr. So-and-so. And they're like, what, you know, they get, it's interesting to watch the reactions because they're like, what are you guys doing here? It's like, we just have a patient we want to talk to him about. And as soon as that doctor, you get that moment and then you start explaining some of your concerns, you know, from them as far as their safety within the home. Yeah. Boy, are those physicians connected. And so are the, all those healthcare mm-hmm. workers that work with them because they just don't always see that piece. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We type it out in a report, but that's a report. And what a person describes, maybe they don't, we just know the safety concerns a little bit different than maybe the patient themselves. Sure. So we can describe that. You establish great relationships now, Sometimes. how is your communication with the doc? Is it always FaceTime with the doctor, or do you have any other, uh, you know, modes of communication with the doctor after they're established? So let's say because you're when you're when you're dealing with these patients too, you're you're most likely visiting them more than once, right? Correct. So it's on a regular basis and and kind of some sort of you know formed plan of uh, a treatment plan, if you will, and um and so like do you you. So you went and met that one doctor and talked to him, and maybe that patient uh, is a one that you're going back multiple times. So how do you do? You got to go to back to the doctor's office each and every time to talk to them, or how do you communicate with them on a regular? Um, as needed, really. Um, okay. So we will sometimes if uh, if we identify a concern that we can't take care of ourselves, uh, we will usually reach out to the PCPs. That's probably one of our our biggest starting points. And a lot of times you get connected with care navigators. 
and social workers okay. within the health systems. And those people can really help move things forward. And all we're really doing is connecting the dots. So as far as like the frequency, uh, there's not really a set standard. Okay. I think if you talk about this long term, um, because, you know, is it efficient? In some respects, yes, because you're reducing some of those repeat 911 calls. But eventually, you want to also build a little bit more efficiency into the way that we're able to connect, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, and Chief Ram and I just sat on a webinar uh, just a couple that, oh, actually just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Health Call is a program that you can buy that kind of builds it out for EMS. And it was actually uh, established or helped. It's just, they're out of Texas, if I remember correctly. But this is just one agency that we happen to speak to. And it kind of tr- creates a different type of documentation compared to what ESO will. Okay. Because this isn't really emergency work. Yeah. yeah. This is more non-emergency work. And you have the ability through stuff like that to connect with physicians, care navigators, um, social workers through, you know, encrypted like emails and stuff like that. So that might be something that comes down the road or maybe some just updates. Yeah. If that makes, yeah. it makes sense. But it, as you can kind of see, this is something that's just quietly growing. Well, and it's amazing that, you know, I know that when I was in uh, Napoleon, there was a community health worker at the health department, and it was amazing that they they had a funding mechanism, and why is it so slow to get on board for, you know, that sort of thing for, you know, for community paramedicine programs? I, my only answer I could think of that is I think it's because it's newer to us in Ohio. I think we're just now... It's grassroots at this point, right? Yeah. And maybe that's why le- last night, the, you know, having some FaceTime with the legislators and being able to talk to them a little bit, because you're right, that's where it's going to change. Yeah, we actually started, uh, um, I don't know if Chief Ram has ever talked to you or Chief Kuzno, but through the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, they asked Jody and myself to be on a subcommittee. Now, that subcommittee is involved with multiple fire departments across the state of Ohio. If you guys look at that document that we have okay. created, it'll kind of share some of that stuff. And we're always looking for more fire departments to join that cause. To be a part of it. To be a part of that that subcommittee. Because we're trying to just brainstorm, how do we take this? And we know that we have the the innovation, mm-hmm. the, the need is there. And as I said earlier, remember how we were talking about the, uh, uh, like, to a fire compared to, like, yeah. you know, Sylvania and Springfield? Yeah. Just the, the community needs assessment can vary from each community. So we've tried to build uh, thoughts into saying, well, this would be like a minimum education. It's a it's a base, but then obviously a medical director could make it a little bit higher for that community's needs, right? Yeah. So like in like into a fire, they had looked at congestive heart fire. That's not something that we have to deal with as much within our communities. It's something that we're aware of, but because of some of the 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 people that maybe don't have uh, they have limited access to health insurance and some things like that you know, that knowledge of CHF was beneficial. So in that community, they may augment that. So these are all things that we kind of talk about in the subcommittee. Uh, and div- we've got a, a an entire, I mean, it's got to be a three, four inch binder, you know, of data and different thoughts and, and strategies as this kind of grassroots movements moves forward. Education just being one piece. Funding is obviously another one of our big ones. That's one of the reasons why, you know, last night was uh, pretty awesome for me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I never, yeah, I bet. <laughs> never done anything like that before. You know, but you're thinking about building this for long term. Yeah, and you yeah. know, I mentioned a minute ago, like the health call and that kind of stuff. That's succession planning. You know, because I'm not here forever. I don't know if I can go 30 years, like Candace was talking about. <laughs> but you know, I would yeah. definitely like to go a lot longer, and I'd love to be able to be involved with that kind of stuff. I like 
you know, when I come into this job, I said a few minutes ago, you do that IV, you do the airway, you put out the fire, but as that vision widens open, you start looking at after the fires are done and you see their people coming back into their homes and this traumatic event that's just occurred and you recognize like they, their pictures are still in the house, you know, that they, they have unburned pictures and that means the world to them. Right. Yep. It's, it does. It's, they can't replace that stuff I, yep. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So community paramedicine, you know, that's a that's a, a person, and somebody loves yep. that person. They have, you know, and they really connect with us when we have the ability to kind of show some empathy and just concern. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all do. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, just just have a little bit of compassion. Uh, be able to never forget about the fact of why we got in this job and the actual caring about them. So um, you make an impact on a, on a different level, not only riding the riding the truck, but then also in the home. And, and then a repeat with those patients. How many patients do you guys see, you know, a, a year, a month, or... You know, so we just did the numbers for us for last year at the request of the trustees. And I think if I remember correctly off the top of my head, I think it was 285 that we saw between Springfield and Savannah Township. Wow, wow. 285, that's I, a lot. I, that's a lot of I may, I may be off a little bit, and I'm trying to remember exactly with my emails uh, without having it in front of me. But I know we were just under 300. Okay, um, wow. that, that's a lot of patience yeah. for multiple visits, you know, back and forth. I mean, Wow. That's great. And we, and primarily, um, Chief Ram has me doing this about a day a week, you know, so you get about eight to 12 hours. Okay. And Jody's actually, um, uh, Chief Kuzno has, has her doing that usually about two to three days a week. I have a phone and so does she, and we're pretty much tied to it. You know, I I think I mentioned to you last night that we had one particular, uh, community member that had been really having some struggles, been working with family, so on and so forth. I got a phone call. Uh, last night as we were getting ready to go over the state house, they were wanting to confirm a few things at the hospital level, you know, as some of the concerns that we had. So that's that relationships that you build, you know, that's like how many times has this person fallen, so on and so forth, how many responses do you have, you know, those types of things. Because when they go back and they kind of paint that picture in their medical chart, mm-hmm. that really helps those physicians steer their care. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and I know and I know this this particular situation will probably end up in rehab. I don't know if it'll end up in, in like long term, you know, like care as far as like a nursing home is concerned. But you know what? The biggest success is the first piece was the rehab. It, it looks like it's right on the horizon. Good. So that the the risk of fall in the home is currently gone. So Which the is re- great. the responses are not there. You know that your apparatus are ready, um, but long term, not only a win for the fire division in that respect, keeping because we're so busy from. 911 responses, but now also uh, maybe this person uh, will have a win as far as getting some good rehab mm-hmm. and maybe transitioning to a more of a safer environment. I just don't know which we're, you know, yeah. you don't know what you don't know because that's not our, that's not our wheelhouse. We're just a connector. Mm-hmm. Now you touched a little bit on, you said about 12 hours and maybe Jody gets a little bit more time. So is that 12 hours outside of your normal shift or is it while you're on shift? We're trying to do both. Okay. So, like, when our staffing allows for it, um, I they just kind of go out. Kind of like, you know, years ago when I first started in Savannah, we had a fire prevention individual that would always go out, you know, basically from, like, 8 to 4. So, it's kind of, like, on that premise. Okay. Okay. You know, so, if staffing doesn't allow for it, then usually I'll come back on one of my days off. Okay. Now, how, for, as far as the program, I know that uh, 
uh, Chief Ram and Chief Kuzno, you know, kind of, you know, take on the cost of having an employee, uh, you know, ded- dedicated to it. And then, uh, so there's a cost there. And and has has the program ever thought about, or have maybe you guys ever thought about, let's say, let's say we're in another community, or it's a small community that would really like to have some assistance as, you know, you talk about developing like these uh, you know, regional assets that, you know, people tap into, and then maybe it spreads the wealth and spreads the cost. Um, you know, so let's say, let's say like, uh, I'm in Oregon. So let's say I wanted to, uh, contract with, with you, with the hero program. And, uh, we wanted some help over there for a few incidences or, uh, patients in our area. Is that possible? Or has that been, is it, is it even being talked about to see if it's, a uh, you know, available? When we were a re- when I first got involved with this, I was actually sitting with Dr. Shireen. Um, if you all remember who, oh yeah, you know, yeah, I remember Dr. Uh, he had that consortium going uh, that he was trying to develop. It was predominantly looking at a bigger area. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That has when he left, uh, that has not really moved much further since then. So that's when Chief Kuzno and Chief Ram decided to just say, "Let us just do you know something small." I actually kind of grab this little thing out of a previous uh, presentation is that was one of the things you just start and starting small is okay yeah because this is innovation we've never done this before and then we can build on that but absolutely i think long term to answer your question that would probably be something that would be very beneficial to our communities not only across northwest ohio but nationwide. Yeah, yeah, because you think about it, I mean, maybe maybe you guys have the team and somebody's in charge of it, but everybody's then dedicated to it and all the agencies then contract with them to like, you know, it's it's just set up. It's and the cost is shared and everybody has access to it and there's maybe it's a team of 5 of you because the next point is um, you know, it's got to be the right people. So, you know, I know your background because I've known you a long time, Sean, but, you know, so you got to have the right people. It's not the, the, the person that just starts in the fire service or is a brand new paramedic. It's somebody that is, you know, like in your case, you have a background in nursing. And I know that there's many firefighters and that are nurses as well um, that have a passion on that side. So I, I, f- I do feel that there is got to be the right person. And that's why I think not every organization will have the right person to ever be able to implement a program like this. So if the right people, five of them were in and making it then, and everybody came to that, then there's the funding for that two departments aren't just splitting the cost for, you know, a couple people. Yeah. Very well could be. Obviously that's, that's above my uh, pay grade. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the right word, right? Uh, this is the chief level decision. Yeah. Obviously uh, elected official and uh, administrators. Uh, I get to throw it back on you guys. I'm yes. Sorry. And I like it though, because like, it just made me thought when you were talking about it all and, and I'm like, wow, 285 patients. And then um, as you talked about the assessment and talked about all the things that you are doing on a regular basis. And I'm like, well, if you could split it across, you know, two agencies right now, why couldn't it just be formed of a separate one and then split across all you know or whoever wanted to be a part of it because it may be it may be joel out in uh in henry county and it might be um us you and white house or somebody across at least in a in a certain county area i get you would only be able to take because there's only so many patients uh but i just thought it would be an idea because with the with the funding i think is what has really been the biggest holdup uh for a lot of departments to really kind of come on because of there's no there's no funding for it. Yeah, so. and, and I, I know, uh, uh, was it Captain Loker, right? I believe Cheryl, before she retired, she was working 
uh, with Tulio Fire, and she did a cost analysis for some of this kind of stuff. Kind of tied it back to FEMA dollars. It was like three, four hundred dollars. I don't have that presentation here with me. Yeah. But if you can keep your your first response units in service, and if this person doesn't need that ambulance, for instance, and they have a different type of need, you you you're set. You're in a sense. You're that's a cost savings to the departments themselves. And it's also keeping that apparatus when we're already stretched thin. I mean, you guys deal with budgets every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're trying to you're trying to keep your community as safe as you can based with the dollars that you're allowed to have, right? Yeah. That's what it kind of comes down to. So there's a lot of different ways to look at that. You know, I mean, what you just mentioned, I think, is a very uh, – it was something that we had originally talked about, you know. Uh, but I think it's, it's just – it's that grassroots is starting to gain a little bit more momentum. That was a big thing last night to just even have a little discussion at the State House – I've been excited to be on this committee with, through the Ohio Fire Chiefs uh, Association for the last couple of years, you know, because we've learned so much from each other. I mean, what's go- what you see Upper Arlington do over here just in the western, northwestern yep. part of Columbus, you know, is huge. And they have Dr. Quatman. Um, she's done TED Talks on this on this very stuff. You can Google it and find it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I could share that with you guys. She was actually, a, she's an orthopedic physician. Her sister, if I remember correctly, is a physical therapist. I, if I say that wrong, I apologize. But if I remember correctly, it's, I believe she was a physical therapist. But they, you know, they saw that need based on what they saw in their community. And there was a, you know, what was interesting is that when I did get to talk to Dr. Quatman once, it was a family type need. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. So that was a personal connection with her, you know, because of a family member that suffered a fall. Fall prevention may have you know, may have prevented it, may have helped prevent it. Yeah. Those stats that was on the sheet that we uh, kind of had there available at the state house uh, kind of talked about the um, uh, lift assist, you mm-hmm. know, for the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked with the, Anita a little bit with getting those numbers at the state level. But in the matter of, I think it was four or five years, I mean, it's almost doubled from what's being reported as a 554 lift assist. So that's, and that's just one facet of community permission. So then obviously a, an assist is a precursor to a fall, right? Oh, yeah. And, or it can be. Yep. You know? And you would just think the hospitals would want to be more involved, you know, you, you as far as like trying to, you know, really, really get behind it and support it because, uh, you know, with all the changes in their way that they collect and the in their billing and what's what qualifies and, you know, those 30-day readmission types of things that they lose out, just as you put some numbers to, um, you know, to an engine response or to a medic response on a regular basis with X amount of people on that and fuel and maintenance and wear and tear there is a cost for that uh, same goes for an er hospital bed or uh you know and and so there is a cost that's involved there and most of the time it's these are patients that you're dealing with that can just stay at home but need to be connected to those services yeah exactly. it's totality of care so i mean you know just being able to prevent that fall you know keep keep that patient in the home or that resident in the home longer and yeah. having to avoid those uh, long, long-term facilities or the uh, short-term facilities. I mean, it's, it's just about health and about totality of care. Well, and the other, the other part, I think that is a little bit tough. You know, you, we touched a little bit that maybe Sean's operational, um, you know, in, in us in the chief positions in, in, in the budget thing, when you talk about, um, you know, transports. So that's, I, I think there's got to there's definitely got to be something looked at for the funding for transports because if you go out and you you take away transports now there's a little bit of a cost here you know on the on the engine and the people and what Correct. you know so then we take away the EMS billing revenue that might be used in some cities for 
multiple different things. Exactly. And and so if there's no funding on the other end of it, it's really tough to be able to cancel out. You know, maybe I maybe I canceled out. You had 285 patients, uh, but maybe I canceled out a hundred of those transports. Well, a hundred transports at 300 bucks a, a transport, that's quite a lot of money out of that other revenue line item. Um, so we're spending over here to lose over here. I think it's just a little bit backwards. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that definitely take into consideration with that. Uh, I would like to circle back for one second on the hospitals. Yeah. Uh, they are very committed to helping people be safe in their homes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the yep. biggest thing that they just don't always know um, is they just don't know what's happening in that home. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They, they, and, and that's it's, where I it's feel how that patient answers that question exactly. when you're screening them. So we are that vital piece to be able to tie it together to say, well, she feels or he she or he feels that they are safe in the home. But what did we actually see when we were right. there? Yeah. And when we yeah. go back to that thought of that first responder, I mean, look at the different hats that they wear. Yeah, I know. a lot of them. They wear so mm-hmm. many different hats multiple times a day in a 24 hour shift. I mean, and that's just another one. And <laughs> I just I, I have to chuckle because. I go back to those first couple referrals, but we just got like yeah. some, a male, <laughs> yeah. you know, or a female, and it was like eighty years hey, old. It starts and it, small, and here, that's <laughs> it, it starts small. But now I get these like emails saying, "Hey, this is the situa- situation," and I mean that has probably been one of my greatest things, I guess, to to kind of think about this moving forward. Is that if I left the job tomorrow? Yep, you know guess what? There's a lot of people here that have got, have learned this stuff and they really embrace it. Yeah. You know, yeah. They bought into it. They, they have bought into it because like initially when that first probably came out, you know, they wanted to see action. They, you know, who's going to get tied to this? How is this going to go and whatever else? And then, and then as they see, uh, you know, the positive outcomes and the impacts that you're having with these patients and you know what, what they really see is we didn't go to that house four times this week because Sean has already been working with that patient and has probably canceled, uh, you know, probably not got us called over there, you know, three or four times or whatever it was. And one of the other things I want to make sure that we highlight too, that I I know we kind of touched on it briefly, but, you know, Jody, I don't know if you know this, but she has a background in social work. So prior to the fire service. Okay, no, I did not know that. Yes, she's a social worker. So you're talking about the right people and stuff like that. Yeah. All we're doing, I think, is we're just building a little bit of a base. But those individuals that we just talked about, those first responders, they're smart people. They're smarter than they blow me out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see officers and firefighters do things every day. It's like, I didn't even thought about that kind of stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's like, where did you pick that up? So they're kind of taking that on and they're going to move that forward. But you are seeing like uh, agencies where they're doing multi, um, if they're doing like they're covering multiple districts or if they've got a big area or something like that. You know, some fire departments are hiring social workers yeah. or they'll hire, they'll have a nurse or that community health worker. Uh, the community health workers and stuff like that are very valuable assets. They just don't always have, they're more the social service background as opposed to the medical background mm-hmm. that we as paramedics have. And I have just a little bit more in, in a different sense. It's not really much more. It's just in a different sense because I work in the hospital as a nurse. So I kind of know the blueprint to a certain extent there. Yeah, so you know yeah. the next steps. And that, and that's why, I mean, like when you talk about the right team, that's, a, you know, with that medical background for you, and, and Jody's got medical background too as oh, a paramedic, but the but the social the social side, I guess I didn't I didn't put that together. And, and that's a and you know, uh, probably huge. It is huge. And you know what, <laughs> something I really like to add to that with respects to Jody, there's a term out there, and you guys have probably heard this, 
And I think that if the fire service can start to incorporate this into our education or our training, motivational interviewing. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of that before? Mm-hmm. So that's the ability to basically kind of like, what would you like to see? Okay. So when you're talking to somebody yeah. All right. and they're having a struggle, well, what does a good day look like for you compared to today? Some of that stuff. Because we don't, everybody's health is at different plateaus, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of evaluating that kind of stuff. Jody is amazing. Candace spoke to that out there in multiple different ways. I don't know if people know that or realize that, but her conversations about motivating people and having those conversations, mm-hmm. yeah. the way that you address, you know, maybe those that you work with and kind of starting some of those tough conversations or some of those conversations, that motivational interviewing could be such a huge asset. And that's one huge benefit for the, the hero program overall is the fact that we have a lot of different things tackled in that sense that are just maybe newer to the fire service. They're starting to make their ways in. Absolutely. Now let's, uh, let's, uh, so we can start wrapping this up, but we want to get a couple little takeaways here. If, if I was an agency that's listening to this right now and I, um, and the question would be, you know, when you said start small, what does small look like in an agency that started from nothing? What would be my very first step to do? Um, and that would be kind of like, you know, what, what, what should we do to be able to get her started? So our initial approach was we, we look at something referred to as a community needs assessment. You know, you think about levies and that kind of stuff. A lot of times that's what's done, right? So you're looking at your community needs to figure out a millage for uh-huh. funding, right? Uh-huh. So we do the same thing with ours. We looked a lot at falls because we knew mm-hmm. that was an issue or a, a, it's something that was a, a, a trend that was going up in Sylvania and Springfield Township's uh, jurisdiction. So that was where we kind of started looking at things initially. We will cover anything and everything as far as like whether it's chronic disease, you know, whether it's basically connecting to social services, you know, whatever that may be. But that was kind of where we started small. Okay. Uh, and then we just kind of, built on that and I tell you what you know you you learn things as you go you know some some things are very effective sometimes you have to kind of come back and say let's retool this and sometimes which is even better guess what your first responders start retooling it for you yeah Yeah. absolutely remember how I mentioned about the the emails and stuff like that yeah they were showing that to us yes I mean that's and and I love and I I I know they probably would say well Sean whatever you know this is ridiculous I says but but understand that contact that you have at the moment when these people have their worst day, you may you are making an impact beyond what I think that you really give yourself credit Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you see the the emails evolve the way that they have. I was like, it's it's evident. It's that motivational assessment. It's I, like I'm <laughs> telling you, they're doing that stuff and they don't even know it. So if an agency wanted to get a hold of you, Sean, um, could they get a hold of you and how could they get a hold of you to just, you know, maybe talk to you a little bit more in detail or more private conversation about their needs, potentially their wants to start something. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can contact uh, Savannah and Fire. Uh, I would suggest they can contact me on my, my phone. I have a dedicated phone line for that. 
I don't know if you guys want me to. I can yeah, you that. can. Yeah. If, if you're willing to share it, I'm sure people would be, uh, you know, willing to do it. And we can put it in. Uh, Joel can also uh, put it in the notes on the on the podcast, and we can if uh, if that would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, five six seven four zero eight six seven eight seven. I think if I remember correctly, is the number. This is where Jody's going to laugh when she sees this because I'm always looking back. Yeah. Uh, for six, those seven. of you that can't see, he's looking at his phone. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. <laughs> I'm trying to remember all these things. Is it five six seven four zero eight six seven eight seven? Jody just sits there and she'll shake, shake her head. She's like, Sean, I said I will remember this at some point in my life. I promise. <laughs> you know, but you know, you have a lot of things moving through your head. So little stuff like that. Yeah, it's like I put absolutely. it there as my yep. reminder. <laughs> exactly. You know, just like like doing hazmat. I got first responder cards, right? Yeah. You know, things yep. like that. Things to be able to, you know, cue cards. Well, it was great spending some time with you today, Sean. And I could tell uh, just by this little bit of speaking with you, you know, you're super passionate about this, uh, you know, community paramedicine program. And I'm sure that that's why, I guess I see why those little referrals morphed into something way more than what they first started in. And it's probably because of your interactions with your people and the importance of, uh, you know what you're doing out there so um keep up the great work i think that you're doing an awesome job and tell jody for us too i know we didn't get to see jody we would love to have her here with you um but uh, let her know that uh it's definitely being watched uh, we we really want to keep up on the uh, updates from you and and just stay in tuned because uh not only us but i'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that want to too so um if you need to get a hold of sean you can contact the sylvania fire department uh joel will also put his number in any of the notes that uh, on the podcast so you can uh, get that if you weren't able to catch it during the time that uh, that Sean had talked about it. so uh, really thank you for our, your time today Sean and uh, you know keep up the good work well thank you I appreciate uh, the offering this uh, discussion here today for a podcast I've never done a podcast so I got buy ice cream for everybody apparently <laughs> um, but uh, remember too the the value of those first responders absolutely they are the boots on the ground that really make the difference so this up. is just another facet yep yep thank you very much and we look forward to seeing you next year here all right thank all you right. thanks Thank you for tuning in to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, please help us spread the word by telling your fire and EMS friends about this channel.